0: kind of it's like God stops doing stuff we have notices the person speaks me in this case and then we're going to have ministry afterwards you know God's not like that I really encourage you as I'm speaking just to really be open to to what God has been doing and is doing and just to, to kind of really just press into it one of the things I will share right to the end and I'm thinking why wait to the end is that God really wants to bring a breakthrough in areas of fear. Uh, and he wants to kind of bring healing and transformation. And one of the things I was going to share at the end, by far I, I should share at the beginning, was uh, when we were having a time of um, prayer at the beginning, I had a picture of um, Braveheart, you know the film? I like films, um, particularly what I think of as leadership films. And um, there's a scene, I can't remember it totally, but kind of the, the Scottish army is facing the English army. And, um, kind of William Wallace is just going kind to of challenge you and saying, this is, I'm paraphrasing for him, this day is an opportunity to go and break forth into freedom. And, um, right across from you is the old enemy. I think they use that phrase. And I really feel this morning is for each one of us in different places, we have an opportunity. We are facing maybe what be our, is our old enemy. Maybe even when I use that word fear, something automatically comes into your head. And that's old enemy. And God saying, you know, William Wallace was saying, you know, we have an opportunity. You can turn back and live in kind of captivity and underneath oppression. Or you can take courage, face it, and go for it. And so my encouragement this morning to myself and to each one of us is let's face our old enemies. Today is a day of freedom. Some of the stuff that's been shared today is really great hearing some of the different words that been shared, and, you, and it really relates to what I'm sharing today. Well, I wrote this talk two weeks ago. Uh, and, and so, just coming here and just hearing different things that people have been saying, it's like, yeah, this is what God wants to do. So, let's not wait to the end. As I share things, as the Spirit kind of speaks into your heart, encourage you just to press in and say, I'm going to go across and press into that. Yeah, let me just pray. Seems a good thing to do. Let me just bless you. God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are at work. And Father, I pray a blessing of transformation. I pray a blessing of hope. I pray a blessing of peace upon everyone that's here. We just open our hearts and we say we want to be changed and transformed. We say yes to you today and all that you want to do. Amen. Well, wow. I seem to always end up rounding off series. I kind of joke in the office that I always, I'm always the last one to speak on a, an area. And so today I'm going to touch on some of the things that we we talked about before and then just going kind to of draw them together. Originally I was going to turn up in an apron and, and pretend to do some cooking, but my wife said, no, don't do that, you embarrass me. <laughs> She's not here, so I could have done it. But it's a bit like that. Over the last few weeks we've been getting different ingredients. We've been looking about a that might have been flour, and, um, you know, we talked about kind of the spiritual realm, the physical realm, that might have been eggs, and, and I can go on. And just today I'm kind of like going to mix them together. I was originally, you can just think of my generosity in my heart, I was going to bring everybody a muffin. Because I thought that might just remind people of just kind of that all bringing it together. Then I started thinking about the numbers and I thought, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just going kind to of take that to your heart. The four was there. <laughs> But uh, but particularly, so I'm going to feed in all the different things that we've been doing. I really encourage you, if you haven't been here for the series, kind of the notes are at the back, listen to it, because it kind of feeds into each other. You know, one of the difficulties in doing this talk is like, where do you start and where do you finish? Because there's so much work together. And so today I'm talking about taking and exercising our spiritual authority. How do we take and exercise the spiritual authority that God has given us How do we outwork that? And particularly at the end, I will share about how that can look like when it comes to prayer. Now, just a a couple of verses and a couple of definitions. Firstly, a well-known in Matthew 28. This should be on your, your notes. I don't have a copy before me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples all nations. And then Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Later on in Ephesians also talks about putting, actually before chapter 1, putting everything under our feet. Wow. You know, if I just, you know, if we just got a revelation of that this morning, I could just stop and move away and just say that's it. We just need a revelation of that. And a couple of definitions, I took these from Nigel's talk when he started it off. Authority is based upon the position we have, which gives that person the right to rule within the limits of and the scope of designated authority. Power is the strength, ability, and capacity to exercise the right to rule. Great definitions. What does it mean? Well, an illustration I think I used before was just think of a kind of policeman, you know, they have the uniform, uh, you know, they have the badge. In some ways, that's kind of like being given the authority. You know, if, if I didn't have that, well, I don't because I'm not a policeman. But if I just kind of stepped in front of a, I don't know, a major road and I just said, stop. Are they going to stop? No, they're not going to stop. They're probably going to just swear at me and say a whole load of like nutter because I do not have the authority. But even the policeman, because he stands out, he has the badge of authority and that designates him and gives him power to be able to stop things. And that's what it means. As I was thinking about this. I had another illustration come to me. I don't know if you ever had this scenario. I had this the other day, actually, where I was in Eastland, and There's a kind of major crossroads. And, uh, and it was a traffic jam. You know, traffic, everybody's waiting to cross the road. And then you hear a siren. And I don't know about you. It's one of the times I go, shh, kids. And uh, where is it coming from? I don't, is it me? Or are you just going to think, where is it? You can hear the siren. You, you're trying to figure out where, where it's coming from. And uh, next thing you see is, this time it was kind of behind me. And You see everybody just start to turn because there's traffic. They couldn't go anywhere. So everybody starts turning onto the the pavement to create room. I mean, it's just great. I mean, I'd love to be able to do that. Just kind of like see everybody part. And as I was thinking about that, that is what it means to kind of have that identity and that authority. Because, but it's siren and blazing. Because of who it is, it causes things to change and to move. It's a very powerful illustration. You know, even, you know, next week we're going to go out on the streets, wherever that may be, maybe literally out there. It may be um, for us, and easily out there on the streets. Knowing that we are going in Christ's authority, we cause things to move, we cause things to change. You ever feel like you're gonna got like a traffic jam and you wanna get through it? You commute a lot, you probably have. And we wanna see breakthrough. Another illustration, I was thinking about it this morning, I tend to think a lot, being an introvert. And um again the same illustration was I don't know if you've ever been driving down a motorway and um, living in Eastleigh and doing some work up in um, High Wycombe and here in Winchester, I often travel on the, on the motorway. And again, maybe you never had this experience. And, and you're kind of driving along and everybody's just shooting past you. Um, then suddenly everybody starts to slow down. What's happening here? What is it? Because there's a police car parked up at the side. And it really just hit me. Just because of where that police car is, it doesn't, even, it doesn't have its sirens going. It's just part there. Because of who it is and what authority it has, its presence affects what's happening around it. And in some ways, I'd love to be able to unpack it more, but hopefully some of those illustrations do, because in some ways, this can only come about by revelation, which is why it says in Ephesians, God, open our hearts. Hopefully those kind of illustrations help you. For me, certainly the latter one, just, it was a it just really reminded me of, you know, when we talk about the presence. That, as we carry the presence of God, as we, as Paul says again and again, all through his letters, it's probably a theme that comes up more than any other. Christ in us, us in Christ, Christ in us. We have Christ in us. We have that police car marking. We have that siren. Even without having to say anything or do anything, we have an influence and effect on those around us. Certainly those who come with me next week I will just remind us, just by us going out on the streets of Eastleigh, we are going to have an effect. Even if we don't get to speak to anybody, I cannot go Christ in me and not affect something. There is a power. So our authority and our identity are so closely linked together. I'm not going to go into the, the bit about Jewish and Roman culture is there in your sheep, but the key thing there is, as you look through scripture again and again, it says this is who we are. It says that we are children of God. It says that we are co-heirs with God. It says if we've chosen and said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life, that we have been made children of his. That gives us authority, identity and authority. Do you ever wonder if kind of, Prince William and Prince Harry look at the world differently? I suspect they do, because they know who they are. They know what authority say. If I say something this morning, it's not going to end up in the paper. People are not particularly worried what I say about the economy or whatever area it may be. If Prince um, Harry or Prince William or any of the royal family, if they said something, made a personal comment, it would be there, because their words carry weight. Their position carries weight because of who they are. And as we gain a deeper and greater revelation of that, in the same way, what we say, what we do, will have a greater impact. So to kind of summarize that as a definition I've used before, and I keep coming back to it, because it just links, through, links together a lot of the things that we've been talking about, both this term and last term, when we're talking about something called trusted rulers, which is really bottom line, knowing who you are and what authority you have. Having a proper revelation of our identity determines the level of kingdom authority we walk in, which will determine the amount of influence we have in bringing the kingdom of God. you kind of release, you live out of that place of revelation and insight. So we need to keep reminding ourselves, I don't know about you, but I forget. I forget who I am. Yeah, I know I'm Paul Phillips, but I forget that I'm a child of God. I forget that my father is the maker of heaven and earth. I've been thinking about that. Somebody spends a lot of their time thinking about nations and the world. You know, they don't the want to been thinking about uh, this week, and you can think of different examples, he's, he's the saviour of the world. You ever look at the news, read the news and think about it? I, I, I do this all the time, particularly if it's a Muslim country, and that tends to be in the news a lot. He's the saviour of the world. My dad and my friend who I'm sat with, right hand of God, he's the saviour of the world. And again, it seems that you know you can go, yeah, yeah, I know that. But when I let it sink into my heart, we get that revelation and begin to live out of that place. Now, in your sheets, you've got some gaps. So I'll get you to do some work. We have been given all authority. That's what we just read. We have been given all authority. Do you read? Again, you know, I have to challenge, do I really believe that? I have been given all authority. See, if I have all of it, that means somebody else can't have have any. If Christ has all the authority, it means the world, Satan, all the things that particularly Brian talked about in his his second um, talk, he can't have it unless we give it to him. We have it all. Do we really believe that? And it has been given to us does that not say that Matthew 28 is a very well known verse all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to and through your name and if you follow Jesus it's been given to us it hasn't been lent and again I know it's not rocket science but I think sometimes where I live maybe sometimes you might be the same I'm just being honest with you I think sometimes we live like it's been lent to us if I'm been living a good life whatever that may be for you and your situation, however you want to define that, then I kind of have it. But if not, then I kind of lose it. And maybe if I pray enough, if I fast enough, if I do whatever it may be, fill in the blanks, maybe it's just just me, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, then I'll kind of get that authority back. No, it says that we have all authority and it has been given to us because it's based on the finished work of Jesus. I have it because of what he did, not because of what I did. We have it because of what he did, what Jesus did on the cross. Again, I don't have time to expand that. You can listen to some of the other talks that particularly Nigel and and Brian did on that area. The finished work of Jesus, because of what Jesus did in his life, in his death, and his resurrection. I can have it. And we need to just press into it. We need to remind ourselves, like rewire ourselves, that that would be the natural way that we think. And we need to contend for that truth. Because again and again Satan will come along and and tempt us to deny our identity and our fortune. We have to remind ourselves. When I was preparing this, I was reminded of an illustration I I had a number of months ago. I was speaking somewhere and I suddenly had this illustration come into my, my mind. I wanted to share it. Which was, how many of you have seen, I don't watch. spend all my life watching films, but uh, how many of you have seen um, Toy Story? Yeah, it's great, you should see it. I can't remember which one it is, I think it's one of the, the latter ones. And um, I think they, the, the toys have felt like they had been abandoned by their owner, um, is it Andy? I can't remember and, um, and they felt like they're being abandoned, you know, we're not wanted anymore, you know, we're old, he's kind of moving on, I think he was going to university or something. And um, Woody, kind of the, the, the hero, I think most of you have seen it, but Woody's the hero, he says, no, 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 what does he keep doing? He says, look at my feet, because on his foot was written, Andy, on his foot was written, I belong down, and all the rest of you know, he's left you. And he, you know, he was reminding them, we have we have his name written on our feet. Because Satan would come along and say, nah. You know, he's decided to de-inher- de-inherit you. Or de-adopt, can you do that? Um, you. You're not worthy. And we have to keep reminding ourselves, when we chose to follow Jesus, we belong to him. It's been engraved in our feet. We belong to Jesus. We belong to him and nothing can take that away. That you have been made and you have his signature upon your, upon your life. We have his signature upon our lives. And that's a powerful truth. It might sound quite simple. It's a powerful truth. And some of you might need reminding of that today. Maybe you had a bad week. You just need to remind that his name is on your foot. So it's a very powerful truth. How do we kind of grow and develop in it? You know, some of you know my background. I do a lot in consultancy and training. So I'm a great believer in application. What's this going to look like? What can it look like today? What can it look like now? What can it look like next week? Firstly, just cry out. We need to pray for an increased revelation of who we are. Kind of freedom and transformation kind of follows in relation to the revelation and insight we have. Whatever area you're talking about in your life. And so just to pray in Ephesians 1, it just says, you know, the prayer open the eyes of the heart so that they would see, that they would grasp. And I would encourage you to do that. To just keep crying out, saying, "God, I want to get more insight, revelation." Secondly, just create space and time for God to remind you of who you really are. If you got, uh, I don't have one of these. Oh, yeah we do. If you haven't had one of these, there's some of the front, some of the back. It's what they call a knowing your fortune, calling resource toolkit. We really wanted this series to be practical. And so every week there was just some tools that you could try and use. And that's what I mean. In session one, there's just a toolkit where you just kind of goes through and it's just the scriptures from the Bible just saying, this is who I am. And we need to do that. Because all around us, people are giving us names and identities. It's so easy to get our identity and our worth from what we do or what we don't do, our job, and the list can go on. But we need to get our identity and authority ultimately From who God says we are. And so we need to take time and create space for God to do that. Further use the five R's. Again, I don't have time to unpack this. If you look in your toolkit, it's there. But really the bottom line is, when you have a thought that comes up in your head, that does not line up with the truth, what the Bible says, we've got to give it over to God and then say, God, what is the truth? And in relation to what I'm talking about, Is when we have something come into our heads about that challenges our identity and authority and saying, God, who do you say I am? Because ultimately he doesn't know he's the one sorry, he's the one that knows who we are. As you begin to do that, it will transform the way that you live your life. And I think I threw a challenge out there. Now, how does this apply to prayer? A lot. <laughs> I could go on and on. But really, identity and authority are crucial when it comes to praying effectively. Because it affects what you pray, it affects how you pray, it affects what you pray for. Now, let me just give you an example. Um, I am gonna put it on your sheet, the triangle um, principle. Uh, Nigel, I didn't, can I just use you? I thought he hadn't been doing enough, not only he's been hosting, he's playing the keyboard, so I thought i would keep him busy. Now, maybe again, this is just me, and um, this might not apply to you. Now, in your mind, I think I left a little space. If you've got a pain, you can put it on a triangle. So imagine a triangle, and the, the point is God. And in this case, Nigel's going to be God. He's going to represent God. i have got to take care of <laughs> I <laughs> had to get it in his good books. At, uh, just in case anybody, you was know, listening on tape going, he called Nigel God." and he's going to be gone. Uh, and I myself, I'm the individual. And uh, we've got an issue. and' um, um, funny enough probably the reason I chose it, because I mean, if you were here last week, Joe was spoken, speaking about the area where she lived. So hair stock. And uh, so that's the issue. Now, maybe this is just me, but I think a lot of us, when we come to pr- pray, operate like this. Maybe even sometimes subconsciously or sometimes. If it's not you, our blessings, and that's great. But sometimes we kind of go to God and say, you know, God, there's an issue. Um, Hairstock is like the third worst um, kind of neighborhood uh, in Winchester. Now, we kind of, in some ways, approach it, and in some ways we kind of expect God to be shocked. <laughs> it's better. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't prime him for this. And, uh, and it's like, God is shocked, and he thinks, oh, thank you for telling me. Uh, I wasn't aware that um, you know, this was such a bad area in Winchester. And uh, yeah, I will do something about it. And sometimes when we pray, we seem to operate like that. Maybe it's just me, but well, I can still, it's, it's not nervous laughter. But, uh, but let me show you a different way of doing it. And it kind of links into identity and authority, and I'll unpack it a little bit more in a minute. Is that um, I'm just kinda of spending time before God and um, just worshiping him. And then God just comes and tells me something. So he kinda of comes and he says, you know <laughs> <laughs> He's not really sure what I was gonna say. But um, you know, here's you know, hairstock. Here's hair stock. Now he might say something, you know, Paul, do you realise that this is the you kind know, of third worst Area in, in Winchester. We might see sing out. When I was praying this morning, I told Joey to listen to it later. I felt like God was saying, I was just playing this illustration forth from my mind, just to say, bless the youth. I'm going to bring the youth together in Hairstock and they will be a blessing to that community. So I hear that from God and then when I go, yes! Brilliant! I just line up and I agree with what God is saying about that situation. As I say that, God responds and goes, yeah, and does it. Thanks, Nigel. And that's the way it it can work, just spending time listening to God. If I'd got this quote earlier, I would have put it in. But I was just reading this yesterday, and it said, The kingdom of God is released when there's an agreement between heaven and earth. The kingdom of God is released when there's an agreement between heaven and earth. So heaven saying this. I listen to it and I go, yes. And I agree with that. And just to step out, wherever that may be. To dream with God and hear what he's saying about a situation. I live in Eastleigh and uh, when Joe was showing this last week about hearing God, and what he's saying about a situation, I was reminded of the, the nickname for Eastleigh is Beastly Eastleigh. And uh, I thought, nah, I'm not in that. I asked God what he said about it and how I should pray. And I felt you said, beautiful lady. I haven't yet totally figured out what that means in the sense of praying it and declaring it. But we need to approach God like that. The second principle really feeds into identity. Children and friends ask differently. I've got my in-laws here, so I could embarrass them. I but I know my, my children, when they'll see them, and particularly my father-in-law, there's one thing they guarantee they're going to ask him for. I tell them not to do it, but they'll still do it. Is they're asking for sweets, peppermints in particular. And um, now, none of you guys are going to go up to them and say, "Can you give us a peppermint?" Because you don't have that relationship with them. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't tell you who they are. You know who they are. Because the identity in your relationships affects the way that you approach fiends. I think I've said this before. If you came and visited my house and you just wandered into my house and started taking fiends out of the refrigerator and opening the drawers, I'd kind of go like, what are you doing? Do <laughs> I just really want you in this house? But my children get to do that to some extent. It doesn't involve chocolate. Because of who they are. Your identity affects how you come and approach God. Um, a number of weeks ago, um, a guy called Trevor was doing a series and teaching on the, uh, the father heart. And he, he read about John 15 verse 15, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Uh, and friends, again, get to ask you different things and relate to you in a different way. And again, that applies to prayer, because he read that verse from John 15 verse 15. What well, he didn't do, and he couldn't do it, obviously, because he had so much to cover. Is that in verse, um, is it in verse 16 or 17? It says, ask whatever you want in my name. There's a link between your identity and what you pray and how you pray. And so again, as a church that we want to grow in our authority and, and living in authority and particularly as it applies this morning in relation to prayer, we need to get an understanding of who we are. Thirdly, that just the power of the tongue. You know, Proverbs 18, verse 21, again, a really well-known verse. And I often find that my life doesn't match up with it. There's a power of life and death in the tongue. And so often we focus on the death bit, but not the life. There's a power. Hebrews 11, uh, kind of 4, again, linking into the, being a, the word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword. It brings life. Psalm 33, we're reading this week, Katie and myself, and it just talks about, By the word of the law were the heavens made, the starry hosts scattered. It's like a throwaway line in some ways. You stop and you really think about it and think, wow. Do we really believe that? There is power in the word. It really hit me for the first time about five years ago. I was um, doing some training. I often do training for people working in Muslim countries on kind of how to move in signs and wonders, for a better phrase. That's what they call it anyhow. And, and so I was, we we're doing the practical session, and people were just breaking out into groups and praying for each other, and um, I hadn't anticipated being in charge of this. Somebody else was meant to be, and I ended up being in charge. And I was kind of running around, kind of going, God help me, God help me, and just trying to see the different groups. And there was a group of ladies there, and they were just praying for this lady, and she had a big, um, what do you call it, groit, groiter, just sticking out, it was huge. And um, so I went up to the group, see what they were doing, and a couple of ladies were just praying for this lady and just saying, you know, we just break the power of death. And um, they were saying a whole load of things. And so I said, well, what's, what's happening here? And um, they said, well, this lady really believes that she was uh, cursed by a, a leader in the, the Muslim community where she works. And um, that he cursed her with death. And now she's got this joy. So I went, OK. And I didn't really feel like God say anything one way or the her. So I just said to him, what's the opposite of Death. And they said, "Life." I said, "Why don't you just speak that into her and see what happens?" You know, you've got nothing to lose. You know, bless him, something with life is good, whatever. Uh, and so, one of the ladies kind of she looked at me, and I went, "No, you have got to do it." I mean, this is a training event. I'm not here to do it. And uh, and she just said, "Life." And as soon as she said "life," it went and totally went. And I was just stuck in my head because it kind of like I kind of heard the verse, and this was really stuck in my head. And we need to do that. We have this power. Like I said again with the example of, um, William, you know, Prince William, Prince Harry. When you know you are, it has authority. So we need to just hear God and step into it. There's a couple of kind of biblical examples of that. There's Ezekiel 37. It's a great story. If you don't know it, look at it. It's a story of Ezekiel. And he's before a valley of, um, dry bones. And God says to him, you know, I want you to speak. I want you to prophesy into it. And uh, I was thinking about a definition of prophecy. I have various definitions of that. But the one that came to me for this illustration was to speak God's view of reality and potential into being. To speak God's view of reality and potential into being. So he saw these dry bones and he, he spoke. And it's, I mean, I would love to be been there. You know the story, it must have been pretty amazing. Suddenly all these bones kind of came together. as a valley of dry bones of an army, and it turned into an army. And then God says, prophesy again, and I will bring life. And that's what happened. He had the authority, knew he was, he'd heard God. He hadn't, it wasn't his idea to stop speaking to these fiends. He heard God. Again, Jeremiah verses one, sorry, chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Wow, that's powerful. The words of God are powerful and alive and transforming, creating the nations. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to root and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Wow. He's given us a lot of opportunity or responsibility. My challenge to you this morning, I'll... Roughly finish and say one more thing is what dry bones do you have in your life? What dry bones do I have in my life? Where do we need to see the life of God come into a relationship, into a situation, into an area? I already told the, some of the guys who I know come in treasure hunting, we were out a couple of weeks ago, and I said, as you walk around, I want you to tell me what are the dry bones you see? And then what is God saying about it? That we can start speaking those into it. Are you aware of any lifeless situations around you? They might be dead and buried. Situations that maybe you've given up on. And God is saying, I want you. They had to do it. Jeremiah had to do it. Ezekiel had to do it. On hearing the voice of God what he said about that situation and speaking it in. One of the particular areas, in some ways, it doesn't fit so well, but it's it's really been laying on my heart and I said it right at the beginning. One of the areas where we need to see God's truth is in relation to fear. And fear, it's a very complex thing in some ways, but one of the ways I look at fear is fear is normally based on Um, And the lack of hope it brings is that we don't really understand who we are. We don't really understand who God is. Or we don't understand, see the situation as God sees it. I know it's slightly simplistic and I haven't got time to unpack it. But I really believe that God wants to bring freedom in many different areas. But one of them is in relation to fear. You know, fear is like a, a thief. It robs you. It steals joy. It steals hope. And God wants to bring transformation uh, today. And we're very tight on time now. So I'm just going to, I've said a lot of things today. Maybe you want to go back over and listen to the, the talk again. And I've touched on many different areas when you're trying to pour something together. And, but there's a new song that's just come out from Bethel. And we're going to play it. And this is going to be an opportunity to respond. It talks about particularly fear. You know, I should no longer, you know, fear, be afraid. And um, for some of you, you might be seeing that God's done already. Over the last kind of five weeks, six weeks, God's been doing some amazing stuff. And this is an opportunity to celebrate. I think sometimes God does stuff in our life and we don't celebrate it, But for some of you, this might also just be uh, facing an old enemy. And, And like I said, there's a power in words. And to say, whatever it is, just say, you know, I will not allow this fear to control and dominate my life anymore. So Can we play the song? The words that come up, and I really encourage you, this is kind of part of the ministry, just use this as, just respond to it. Sing the words if you want, declare them. I'd encourage you to, if that's the truth, to declare that, to speak it out.
1: people shared words with me that I thought were really helpful and relevant for what God was doing. And then we'll have a chance to uh, minister.
2: Um, I just feel some people feel they're in a tunnel, um, constricted, a dark tunnel. And uh, the Lord wants you to change your way of thinking about that. First of all, he speaks over you. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is air at the end of the tunnel. But also, tunnels are secret places to get somewhere different their tunnels are, are places that are secret to get you somewhere new and positive usually under enemy action so just just um speak that over yourself it's
1: it's great can we all stand together let's just stand um god speaks to me a little while ago through my kids that he does that quite a lot it's quite humbling um and i said to annabelle um oh, come on, little princess, let's go and do something. And her older brother, as older brother sometimes, do, said, you're not a real princess. And I got really upset. And I said, actually, you are a real princess, and you are a real prince. And that is, you know, we want to build those kids up to know their identity. But I feel like the Lord said to me in that instance, there's some people who the enemy's been poking them going, you're not a real princess. You're not a real prince. You have no right to do that. You have no right to feel that way. And the Lord wants to build that authority and identity back up in you because you are royalty. You are heirs of the king of the universe, and he wants you to walk in that. Amen. So look, guys, in in many ways, the Lord's already spoken, and he's, there are many of us who have already responded, but God is here, and he is still at work. And... If you want to respond to any of those words, those two words, one from Steve about sort of sensing being in a tunnel, one from Laura about just knowing the voice of the Lord saying about our true identity. or If there's something else, something that came up for you in the song or as part of what Paul said, and there is just an opportunity now to respond. And if you'd like to do that, we'd love to just come stand with you. Uh, we'd love to. Um, we'd love to pray with you. Um, that's what we do here. Uh, we do need to finish in just a minute, but if that's you and you want to respond, why don't you just come? There's a big amount of space here, and uh, we have people who would love to come pray for you. So, just come and step out. If that's where If that's where you're at. If you feel that you need to come, just receive. If you feel that you want God, someone to come and pray with you. If something's If if God's touched. If something's touched a nerve for you, or if you just resonating if you want to do that thank you guys the spirit is here let's have some of if you're trained to pray if you're somebody who can come and do that then come and come and stand and pray with these folks and there's more there's more if the lord wants to um yeah bless you guys keep coming that's great